Welcome into the Fairweather Podcast, where we discuss all things San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. Alright, welcome into the Fairweather Podcast. Uh, we are brought to you by the BGN uh, Beautiful Game Network. Uh, podcast, written work, go check them out. Uh, lots of good uh, written and podcast material. Um, in fact, I was just on one of their our sister brother podcasts uh, today with Reno 1868 with 1868 Weekly. Lots of good content. Um, we're sponsored by Roughness, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Uh, please check out the ads at the end uh, if you want scarves and kits. But uh, we're missing someone this week. You know, shout out to Marissa. She was over in England watching the mid-table Arsenal uh, do their thing. Uh, so she will be back later. But this week, uh, we have uh, back again Chris Walker. How's it going, Chris? Yo, it's going good, Alan. It is, it is hump day. I feel like I need to do the Humpty Dance. Chance to do the hump. Uh, don't do too much of that. I think we might get uh, our stuff pulled. Um, so I do have a question because it was asked on the Twitter machines. When are you making your way out here for the first time? When am I making my way out there for the first time? Ooh, it's what February right now. It is. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm trying to come out like April, May, if not June. I know that's like June's like what June? Nah, um, I'm gonna try to get out there probably in April, May. I gotta, I just gotta look at the flights. Nice. Yeah, uh, I know it's a little tough. Um, although New Mexico is not too hard to get in and out of, although the airport does look like, if you would imagine what a New Mexico airport would look like as far as decorations <laughs> and carpet, you are nailing it right now. Like, I think everyone could picture short of like turquoise <laughs> bracelets and rings. I think like I walked out of the, into the new, uh, New Mexico airport not that long ago. And I was just like, this is exactly <laughs> what I thought it would look like. They nailed it. They nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it. Uh, yeah, so uh, we got some stuff to talk about. We're going to chat about the recent friendly. Uh, we're going to talk about that red card that Irvin Parr got for... Uh, we're going to talk about that. We got asked about it, so I had a chance to actually uh, to talk to Irvin Parr about it and ask him what happened. Um, and we're going to kind of preview a little bit of Reno. Uh, we're going to continue our preseason uh, shenanigans with uh, Orange County and Real Monarchs. Uh, and then we have uh, a couple little uh, USL adjacent subjects to cover. Um, we are going to do a little bit of uh, the wooden spoon. We'll talk about what that means and what that is. If you don't know what it is, uh, stay tuned. Uh, and then we are going to do a little bit of uh, Lawal in order uh, with Scarfgate. Uh, we're probably going to talk about that. We may or may not have a, a pop-in guest. Uh, if not, we will definitely have to dig into that a little bit with the, the controversy that surrounded San Diego and the cloud that hung over our first preseason friendly. Uh, so that's what we got going on for today. Um, Chris, I don't know uh, how much you read about the friendly or uh, uh, what you got a chance to look at. Uh, did you have any observations? Ooh, sadly, I did not get to really check in too much to that other than kind of things that you were posting about it. Yeah, it was um, it was quite a good event. Um, you know, I, I've experienced a few USL matches. Um, 
they were, you know, one of them was Portland, which was like five people, uh, Orange County, Phoenix. Uh, so I've seen a, a decent amount of USL games, and um, I thought the turnout for the friendly, like 3,000 plus, was pretty solid. The supporter that section is. was the support section was packed. It was so fun. Um, I am still recovering. If you can't tell, the voice is almost back. Um, <laughs> my students appreciated me not being able to talk as much. Um, but uh, I thought the, the pre-match was great. I thought the locals did a fantastic job. Um, it's still preseason. We're working some stuff out. Or they're working some stuff out. I shouldn't take any credit because I absolutely did nothing but hit a bass drum all night. Um but I thought the off-the-field stuff I thought was pretty solid. Um, it's a gorgeous venue. Um, away fans are going are, are gonna to like it. It's in a, a good location. Uh, there is beer available uh, at a decent price. I think it was like 8 to 10 bucks, depending on how big of a beer you wanted. So I thought they did a great job communicating things ahead of time. Uh, and if you're coming into town or if you are in San Diego and... Uh, you haven't listened to the locals podcast. They did a great job of uh, talking about what to expect from matches, particularly the friendly, but I think it goes uh, for most of the matches for the regular season. Uh, as far as the game itself, um, played their typical three, five, two high press, uh, super exciting. Um, maybe not clicking offensively um, as you would, might expect. Um, I'm not sure uh, Chris with your experience with New Mexico, with bringing a bunch of guys on, uh, when did you when did you really see kind of that offense coming together? Was it right away, or did it take some time to really see what New Mexico was trying to do last year and might, what that might translate to San Diego this year? Uh, it, it took ten games to really see it. I mean, you'd say ten games, but it really took like the first third. I mean, the first four or five games, it was the team played the first half but could finish the second half. So then that was it. It was like they get out with big scores, but then not able to defend leads. So, you know, like three, 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 four goal games also came out to like three, four goals, like earned as well, you know what I mean? Or given away. So um, it, it definitely took about 10 for them to gel. But you, you as a fan, you recognize things like, oh, they, they haven't really finished, or oh, man, like, you know, this guy is getting goals every game, which is good. But then like, where's the rest of like, of the offense? Like where's, where are the other guys that are hitting chances? Do you know what I mean? So, um, so different things. I mean, uh, one other thing I could say is like, see when Santi Moore, you know, he was like the first one to really get on the board as like the lead goal scorer, you know, and he had a particular thing. He hit the left channel and come in to the middle well, it's like that kind of looked like he kind of looked like a one-trick pony at some point because teams started doubling that side up, and you know until they tried to, you know, put him in other places on the field or give him other, you know, other lanes, you know, it was kind of like okay, well, that's what you got, you know. So I think those are those are things that you could experience, you know. Yeah, I did see some positive signs. I thought, um, you know, there might have been a couple like finishing touches that didn't quite come off. Uh, but there's a really exciting play. I think the high press is going to help. Um, the options up top were great. Like the overlapping runs were really smart. Um, the second, third, even fourth guy in, like the goal that Jack, Jack Metcalf scored, like he's coming over from that that wing. And you you got your two guys up top, um, kind of uh, Irvin Parra 
getting a little bit free on the left side, putting it in low and forcing a rebound and it getting by. Um, I don't recall who that was, um, but getting by one of the loyal players and then Jack Metcalf just being, you know, the guy on the spot to, to bury that home. Um, I think that kind of relentless attack is really going to get some goals and it might not be Para or Lawal up top that get some of those goals right away. It might be them getting that first shot and then guys um, like Moshabane or uh, Jerome or uh, Jack Metcalf pouncing on those rebounds to, to, to get us some, some more goals. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see a full 90 of attacking uh, play. In like the 60, 61st minute, we did get a kind of really weird red card. Um, and it was when Irvin Parra was being subbed off of the pitch. Um, and... The ref was very much getting harassed by uh, the supporter section, um, <laughs> me included. I will take uh, full responsibility for being part of that uh, group. Um, he had a couple of really hard fouls, one in the box that um, probably should have been a penalty. Um, it was definitely arguable, if not pretty clear. A uh, guy came in kind of late uh, with a pretty hard tackle, brought him down in the box, Um we thought, you know, the paying refs thought it was a penalty. The guy on the pitch didn't. Uh, <laughs> but apparently on the way off of the pitch, after already being subbed out, like the board was up, he was coming off. Apparently he voiced his displeasure with the ref um, at, on his way off. I don't know if it was more than what he told me he said. If it was what he told me he said, I don't think that deserves a red. Um, it might have been something a little bit worse. Uh, maybe there was a translation into Spanish. Uh, that was made, that might have made it a little bit worse. Uh, <laughs> but regardless, the red doesn't matter. He's already going off the pitch, and now you're having to play down uh, down a man in a preseason friendly. Um, I would have liked to see the ref maybe give a yellow, talk to him about it, maybe let Landon know what's up. And that way you can still kind of work on your game. Uh, they were forced to play kind of a 5-3-1 or five, three, one kind of deal. Um, and it kind of, it took a little bit of the steam out of the game and it, it didn't allow the loyal to really explore that second team, if you will, um, to see kind of what works and what doesn't, which I think is a bad thing. Yeah. But, but you can imagine, you know, you're down a man, you're getting to practice down a man. I mean, I've seen it happen a bunch of times in the USL, especially in the West, you get a bunch of yellows, a double yellow, it's up being a red, I've seen it plenty of times. So, I mean, having that practice is great. There was a couple of close chances that they put the ball over the bar, but um, I thought they defended really well. They played really well together. Uh, there were so really- they went. So they went into a five-three-one or a three-five-one. Uh, they played five at the back uh, and then oh, okay. three and then one. Total, total defensive effort. At that yeah, point. it was super. Like we're gonna we're gonna take a page out of Mourinho's playbook and park the bus. And I think that's what you have to do. Like uh, that Costa Este was was a, a competitive team, and I think if you open yourself up, you're probably going to give up a goal. Uh, but you know, every time Joe Greenspan cleared a ball, everyone was chanting "Joe mean uh, Joe says no," and I think it kind of became kind of a rallying cry of like, "Look, we're we're going to be a high press attacking team, but we can all, when it comes down to it, we can also defend with a tenacity." that it's going to be tough for you to score against us. Um, I don't know. Um, 
uh, you know what that means for the West. I mean, your experience with the West Coast teams, a lot of them are more offensive minded. So, what do you think it means that you were able to keep a clean sheet with you know down a man for thirty minutes? Um, I think that's going to be a huge threat. I mean, you know, there there are teams that we have seen really pull that off. I mean, San Antonio has done that. Well, hey, hang on, I can't say San Antonio has done that successfully because we have watched them give up the game two times uh, in an instance where they played teams. Uh, you know that were down a man, uh, right? Am I correct? You know what I'm talking about? Like last season, there were there were instances where they where they were playing against teams. I think they played RGV with ten guys. RGV had ten, and they were up two nil, and then all of a sudden they like let two come back. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, it happens from time to time. Um, I think when you you would think that I talked to someone about this on uh, after the game. It's like you would think that having the advantage would mean that you're going to be the more attacking team. But, I mean, the the Cholos went down 10 men and looked better the night before. So that was kind of the buzz around the stadium is, hey, we watched Cholos take on, um, what was it, Shivas, I think. And Cholos looked way more open. And it's like sometimes when you go up a guy, it gets into your head a little bit and you press a little bit more and that kind of opens up that back end where you can get some counterattacking, and a team like RGV, who's young and quick, can really take advantage of that. And so I think it was really good uh, that the Loyal really, they were playing as a unit. Um, it was clear that Jake Fenlinson um, was communicating well, uh, that they listened to him, uh, that you know Joe, being, Joe Greenspan being in the center really kind of solidified, between the two of them really solidified that, that defensive effort. Um, because you, you never know. Being up a guy doesn't really mean that you're going to be the more offensive team. But in the case of the Loyal, they really sat back. I do want to go back on, on that point, though, to, to really answer your question. Um, I mean, yeah, like you are saying, the West Coast is really attack-minded. So to be able to have kind of that East Coast uh, vibe as far as being defensive, being up, you know, being up a goal, down a guy, I mean, that's going to be big, and that obviously is going to be a true test when they get into the season against teams like Phoenix or El Paso, really, um, that are just going to just kind of be, like, relentless. I mean, you know, look at look at a Phoenix team. I mean, Phoenix, typically, they turn up their Jets around 70 minutes into the game. So if nothing's really happening for Phoenix, you can always count on that, like, that 77th minute for a match fit solo Asante um, to basically you know, look for that, like that new juice. And then of course to have new weapons, you know, look at El Paso with their Dutch Zlatan uh, character, you know, and you know how, how those things are going to come into play. I think that you just, what you're seeing teams do is you're seeing teams obviously equipped. Um, now they're really looking at, you know, who can I throw in at, at 65 or 70 and, and, and start this this match all over. So uh, very good on Loyal for getting tested early like that. I mean, another team that comes to mind in Cali that kind of does that is uh, Los Dos from time to time. Yeah, I think it's something that I think the team can really uh, look back on and say, hey, remember that time in preseason where we came together and really defended well? I think having that test, because that's not going to happen normally in a preseason friendly uh, but to kind of have that experience, I mean, it's unfortunate, and you do want the team to really work on how they're going to look 
most matches, but I can probably put money down. Like I feel comfortable putting money down that at some point the loyal are going to be down to 10 men and they're going to have to come together and defend. And it was, it was, I mean, as a casual fan and maybe a person who's going to a loyal game for the first time, that's, it's not ideal, especially in a friendly. You want to see that attacking, exciting football that you're you're branding your team as. But as someone who's watched the league and has seen, you know, you're working with some young guys, you're working with some young refs, you're going to get some yellow cards that are questionable. You're going to get some red cards. Like I've seen guys get sent off for, you look at the replay and it's like, you know, head to head, but it happens to be the nose. But then the guy's elbow is up, but never makes contact. But the ref doesn't see it, and there's no VAR, so he gets red and gets sent off. And now you're playing with ten guys. Uh, so I I was excited that um, that they defended well and they looked good in defense, because I mean, offense is the king in the West. But when it boils down to it, if you can keep clean sheets, you know you're gonna win more games than you're gonna lose, especially at home. Um, it's going to be really important to protect that and turn Torero Stadium into a fortress. Um, and it, it felt very good watching that happen. I know C- Coach Donovan uh, talked a little bit after the game and said he wasn't, you know, it wasn't what he'd hoped for in the red card, uh, but he was pleased with the overall effort. We tweeted out um, the, on the Fairweather Twitter. You can c- catch that interview. It's also in the San Diego... Um, not the Tribune, but the, I think like San Diego Times or something uh, used our tweet. Uh, so check it out what he said about you know how excited he was for the first part of the game because it was. I mean, they played really well in the first part of the game, kept Panama away from the attacking uh, third for large portions of the match, and I, I think there's a lot to look forward to on the pitch for uh, loyal fans. Right on. You know, you're speaking of like uh, Landon, did you happen to catch that uh, that respect and authenticity video that was on Facebook? I did not see that. No, tell me about it. Ah, man. So he just really goes into you know the club's values. I mean, I really like what he says. Uh, uh, what does he say? Uh, I want to get it just right, but it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, what you do is is every or everything. Oh, from the pre like before the preseason started, yeah. Like and, how and, you do I, how you do anything is how you do everything. You do everything. That. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sorry to botch that, but because uh, it was so amazing in the moment, I'm coming off of like a ten hour day, and I'm just like, uh, that right there is is monumental. And I liked how he went into that. Um, he went into respect. You know, it was something as simple as you know, don't leave a jersey in the shower. Like you know what I mean? Like pick up. Where you where you left you know pick up your stuff like leave it good and and, and things like that those values that he's instilling uh, in the team you know and personnel I mean I felt like when I watched it and I, I bet you know some of our our uh, listeners too when they watched it they probably felt like okay cool like this is my if you will quote unquote uh, Monday motivation Monday uh, motivation you know like. And I think it's cool how uh, how someone like the coach can inspire not only the team but the fans around it to be like, hey, you know what? Like, not only am I loyal to this squad, but you know, this is going to kind of impact my life. And that might have been something that really, really hit everyone. I know for me, it definitely did. You know, I'm gonna 
drink this. This is how I'm doing everything, you know. So, but yeah, it's cool. I, I really like that video. I'd be curious to see what some of the folks watching thought of that respect and authenticity video too. Um, I I think um, there was a a really big buzz around town about those kind of things where it's it really feels like they're trying to build a club around the community. Um, and you know, Warren Smith coming over and leading cheers during the game. Um, I, I think just those, just the little things that they really try to think about, um, really inspire some confidence. Um, I know that there's still some hesitation out there in the town as far as, you know, are we really doing this right? Um, are we going to make the right decisions? Um, but from my perspective is, I want to make, help make it what I would like it to be. And it is going to be what we make it like as the fans and the supporters, even the casual people that show up maybe one to two games a year, they're going to help make this and build it into what it is because we're going to be around a lot longer than the players and the coaches. Um, and there, it seems like they're really trying to make this as a, a community thing and not just about, the fact that Landon Donovan's a coach or that Warren Smith is the uh, one of the founders or uh, Andrew, I'm going to always try to butcher his last name, but you know, the, the owner of the team, it seems like they're really trying to tap into the community and make the, the community feel like they own the team. And, and that, that's part of it. It's like that respect. Um, the fact that the team came over to the supporter section and gave them love after the game, um, it just shows that the team gets it, the coaching staff gets it, the ownership gets it, um, and then you know the supporters group, the the, the leadership and the supporters group have been fantastic um, and welcoming, and not trying to like, hey, I'm the leader, I'm going to make decisions. It's been a lot of, hey, let's get feedback. If you want to see something, you know, pitch your ideas. We want this to be organic. We don't want it ever to feel like we're trying to force anything. And I think that's how the team feels too. It's like they have an identity that they're trying to build, um, but the whole environment around the team feels very positive. Um, and the fact that, you know, that the players take the time to talk to people, um, the coaches take the time to talk to people, uh, the front office staff take the time to talk to people. Uh, it really makes me feel like things are going in the right direction, um, both on and off the pitch. Um, and obviously, Things are going to go wrong. Uh, we're going to hit bumps in the road, uh, but we have to remember that you know we're. I, I really like the family aspect, and you know, as family, we come together and we pick each other up, and you know, we say, "Hey, that was not great. So let's pick each other up and do it again." Uh, but so far, the preseason has been nothing but positive. Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, loyal's you know catching uh, good vibes on Twitter. I mean, you know, you can see all the different. Uh, different uh fans of different teams i think i saw today on twitter that uh some of the some of the phoenix pod guys on uh rising as one were like giving uh accolades to uh to the loyal because they beat fc dallas and are undefeated in the preseason so it's like you know and so there's that you know and and i i really do think that uh <clears throat> the the locals and loyal is really going to surprise um, a lot of folks in the West. I mean, if you're seeing some of these USL tiers that are out there and uh, you know, it's interesting that 
to hear the different comments. You know, you got some folks that are like, you know, why is Loyal so far up in the tier for a first year club? You know, you know, and if, if they're attributing that to to Landon and having some influence that way, you know, or you know, you have other comments where it's like, okay, yeah, they're up there, you know, and of course, you know, there's so much um, coaching experience on the squad. Not to mention, you know, what's great about these expansion teams is the meld of talent. I mean, consider it. You have Para, you know, who was one of Vegas's like leading scorers. I mean, you have Toomey from. Uh, Lansing, considering right? you have, course, you know, his his prowess on on the pitch. I mean, you you got you have experience. You know, you have guys that have won championships. I mean, you know, all of that uh, is gonna is is obviously taking shape like in this preseason. And you know, I think that you know, I mean, truth be told, you know, opening night. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go off. Yeah, I think um, I, I think one of the the interesting points that Landon Donovan made was this team's been together for five five month five weeks, and there's going to be that I'm not sure where you're going to run, I'm not sure what cut you're going to make, and they're going to be and I, I think that matters a little bit more offensively than defensively. I think defensively you can kind of you know, go into some habits, um, but when you're doing these runs and intricate passing and balls through. Um, I think there's some still some work to be done on the offensive side of things as far as just getting to know each other. Uh, but I've been really impressed after five weeks of, of seeing the team come together, and they're really close. There was a couple of times where it's like, I think three weeks from now, they score three against Panama uh, versus one, even with the red card. Um, and obviously, uh, there was a time where they kind of got caught out a little bit on a on a corner kick where they weren't quite fast enough on the way back, but they managed to uh, a couple of guys hustled and 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 made a play at the last minute. Um, there was a couple late shots when they were down a man that kind of sailed over the bar, um, but when they were you know even eleven eleven, it I mean it always felt like loyal were going to control that they were going to put some some shots on goal. And um, it was only a matter of time for that goal to happen. Um, um, hold on, here cap. Um, <laughs> it was only a matter of time before a goal happened. Uh, it it kind of felt like things were really, really building. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see what this team does um, against Reno, against kind of a, a, a I don't want to say a known opponent, but uh, for sure, something that you can kind of have an idea, like this is who they are and what they're about. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see kind of how they stack up against Reno. Yeah, I mean, I definitely would agree with you about that. I mean, Reno, <clears throat> that will be an interesting matchup, more or less. I mean, they definitely do... Um, they definitely do have some, some offensive threats, more or less... Uh, I mean, and look at how they finished, I mean, in 2019, you know? Reno's one of those ones where, like, every year you're like, I'm not sure if they're as good as they were last year. Like, <laughs> they might not be good. They might be all right. Like, I picked them pretty high. I, we talked about this before. We kind of ranked the teams, and mine was a little bit more trolly toward Phoenix. But Reno's always one of those ones where you're like, ah, 
I want to say they're not going to finish in the top four, but they almost always do. Um, they had some turnover. I mean, we signed Mendiola and Clementa from them, uh, but yet they still have um, some good players. They're going to get some guys that come down from um, the guys come down from San Jose. Um, yeah, so it, it'll be, I think Reno will be a really good test for both teams. I think Reno fans are excited to see what they look like because they have been behind closed doors for all their friendlies. So I was trying to get some information off of them and they're like, we don't really know. Like, I know we're kind of changing some formations, but we don't know how they're going to play. We don't know how they're going to look. Um, they do have, you know, Corey Herzog. Uh, they have some pretty attacking teams. They've never finished below fifth. Um, and um, they've, you know, conference quarterfinals, conference semifinals, qu- conference quarterfinals. They've sent guys to MLS. Um, Dane Kelly was on their team for a while. Corey Herzog last year scored 18 goals. Like, it's going to be a really good test, I think, for the loyal to see how uh, the back end works, um, how that high pressing system works against a team that can attack. Um, what should you know the loyal expect from? What do you think the loyal should expect from Reno uh, going forward this weekend, and then um, maybe what they expect from them during the regular season? I mean, really, with Reno, like you got to realize that they're a team that plays like the full ninety. Um, you know, the, my experience of Reno. Uh, in 2019 with New Mexico simply is that uh, they're a team that, you know, that I think they could surprise you. I mean, uh, New Mexico went to Reno the first time and, you know, Sergio Rivas, who's from Albuquerque, you know, he, he snuck a goal in on them. Of course, they had Clemenza back then too. Uh, shoot. I might have that one wrong as far as Clemenza. I want to say he was on Reno last year, but I could be wrong on that yeah, one. yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, so he was. So, but then uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is that I mean they played full ninety. You know, what I mean, and you know teams will try to get like a late rally, but they go straight defensive, and it's just you know. So they'll be a good test of a team. They're one of those teams. That I think that they're not like clearly at the top, and they're not like a bottom team. They're like right in the mid, and they just know when to peak at the right time. Um, that's just pure experience. So you know, I think that you know, what we have to be careful about as far as uh, playing this team is like, you know, it's just keeping the energy up high, you know what I mean, for the most part. I mean, the team's really going to need that, like around 70 against Reno. I mean, they're just the team that, you know, that just really performs right in that 40 to, to 50 minute uh, minute window. Yeah, last year they scored 72 goals, uh, gave up 51 Um the three years they've been USL, they were 59 points, 59 points, and 60 points. So I guess consistency. Um, playing in Reno is going to be tough. Matthew uh, in the chat. Um, <laughs> Matthew in the chat uh, mentioned the altitude. Also, it, it's probably going to be a um, an effect. It's a hard place to go and play in Reno. Um, and I get, and again, it's this is Reno is, you know, if not a, a home playoff match, they're you know, right out outside of the top four. So this is going to be a, a really nice test to see kind of where the team actually is uh, against an opponent where you kind of know where they are historically. Um, you know, if 
you know, if they don't get a win, it's not going to be the end of the world because it's preseason and teams lose to other teams, like Phoenix losing to New Mexico. Um, but uh, but I, I do think uh, it was really smart for them to get a friendly against Reno. Um, I don't know how much thought went into that, but I think if you're going to pick a team that you want to have a preseason friendly with right before the season starts um, and against a Western Conference team, you know, outside of Sacramento, I would probably pick Reno. Like, they're a good, tough opponent. They're going to be a really honest measuring stick to see where you are. Um, and I, I think they're not going to be – they're a team that you're probably going to want to compete against for a home playoff match uh, if you're, that's what you're setting your expectations at. Uh, so it's not going to be – it's not like trying to go to Phoenix and play at Phoenix. Um you're going to go to a kind of established team uh, that's consistently good. So I, I thought it was very smart that they chose Reno. I don't, like I said, I don't know if that's the thought process, but um, I think loyal fans are going to get an idea of where their team is right now. But Chris, I thought it was really smart to point out that 10 game deal. I think in USL, like you got to wait 10 games, like things kind of figure themselves out after 10 matches and you can't pa- press the panic button too early. You can't get too high too early. If you win a bunch, it's like, all right, we won a bunch, but let's keep it consistent. If you lose a few, it's like, all right, let's you know, let's recover, let's fix some, get some, uh, get some fixes. Um, I think that's definitely one thing that uh, <clears throat> that I really learned like last season is, <coughs> is about peaking too high or peaking too soon because teams get like hot and they're all of a sudden they're fighting for for points on the table. They're at the top. It's looking good. And then all of a sudden, bam, Open Cup happens. And it's like you got to make sure that you got a squad that can play both competitions back and forth because that Wednesday, Friday, Wednesday, Saturday thing is going to be just crazy. You know what I mean? And uh, so then it's a matter of, you know, what are they going to be able to do? I mean, you have to make sure that, you know, the whole squad can can step up in both. I mean, I'm sure you, you're probably thinking that as well, right? Yeah, for sure. Um uh, depth is always important and you know it's a long season I think that's something to keep in mind like 34 games plus open cup and we talked about it before it's like it's you can't there were, we were talking about this with the Orange County guys is there was a point in time where it's like Orange County might not make the playoffs this year they lost to Tacoma on the road it was like all right they're out of it that's it they're not going to be able to survive and then they went on a eight game run and ended up clawing their way back to fifth place and it's a long season, and you can't you can't get too high, can't get too low. Got to be consistent, especially the guys on the pitch. As fans, I think we're gonna r- ride those waves a little bit higher and lower than the guys on the pitch. That's understandable, um, but just remind yourselves it's a long season, and you know it's not like European soccer where you know you have a, a tough run and you're out of it. It's you know you're looking for can we make the playoffs? And once it's the playoffs, it's you look what El Paso did. Look what Sacramento did, coming from these playing games uh, with Sacramento, and then El Paso being on a road team. Like, get to the playoffs. Who knows what happens? You know, you go on a hot streak, you sneak in, you play a couple road games, and who knows? I mean, I never really did this last season, but I was just thinking about it as you're saying. Like, could you imagine? Like, in the Western Conference was you know like positions were separated by like singular points. So it's like you know how many draws in the Western conference, did the top 10 teams 
like combine with you know what i mean like how many because that's right there that's going to show you you know like how many points just came by way of draw if not a win you know it was everything fairly kind of the same um which lets you know that you know there there was no clear distinct like um victors in in our side of the conference whereas in the east things were decided by like actual like you know multiples of three like you could actually say okay there are teams that are like outright winning right now. And then there are teams that are, you know, that are in the next grouping that are winning. Like it was separate. Like you could see the difference. And to me, like when the West becomes that, um, then, then, you know, I think it's really going to be something to say. Yeah. The East tends to be more top heavy. The West teams seems to be uh, a little bit more competitive. I know Phoenix kind of ran away. Reno was kind of out in front of a whole bunch. They lost like six matches last year. Um, but like three through 12, like it was every week it was flopping back and forth and it was a couple points between, you know, home playoff match and being out of the playoffs. So, uh, it is stressful, but it is also fun because your team, unless you're, you know, not winning very often, your team's almost always in it. Um, and, and a good run of eight to 10 games can really turn your season around. Um, well, you know, uh, Sorry, I was going to say to that to that effect. I mean, you know, look at the way the West is going. I mean, you know, the West is tapping into the East as far as players, you know, that are more defensive minded, as well as other, you know, leagues, uh, other parts of the world. So, I mean, pretty soon there won't be as much disparity between how the West operates and how the East operates. You know, if anything, I would think the East is probably looking to add a little bit more attack uh, to the defensive strategy that they have going out there. You know, so pretty soon, I, I feel like all that taken into consideration, you know, the, the league's going to be, like, very explosive on, on both both accounts, both conferences. Yeah, I think the, the, the quality of play just keeps getting better and better. And I, I think when the quality of play gets better, you have better at both ends. You don't have to be as defensive-minded or offensive-minded. I think, you know, three or four years ago, you, you chose which one you wanted um, because of the quality of play. You either chose to load up on offense or load up on defense and West seem to be open and East seem to be defensive. But I think you're right. Like with the way Louisville's trying to build their team this year, um, some of these other teams in the East are, you know, like Miami, they're going to be a little bit more offensive minded than they have been in the past. And then with the West, it's, we can't keep winning games three to two, two to one, four to three. Like if we can, you know, keep some teams off, off the board and keep them to zero or one, you're going to win a lot of games. Um, so, I don't know if you wanted to highlight um, the Real Monarchs. Um, yeah, I'll get I'll get into that a little bit. So, yeah. Real Monarchs last year uh, finished fourth. Um, you know, they were a team that I'd say in the beginning maybe they they had some issues. They weren't necessarily a team that was that was too potent. Um, they did have some standout players, uh, Douglas Martinez, uh, Michael Chang. Uh, they obviously were, were players that were uh, need-to-knows standouts. Uh, Real Monarchs is obviously a two-team uh, for uh, RSL, uh, and where you normally don't have to worry about two teams because you know typically the first team is pulling uh, their primary players. Uh, this team you did kind of have to worry about because, you know, they obviously had a lot of talent spread out 
Um, I was just talking about how, uh, you know, them being a two-team, usually, you know, you'd see a lot of the the talent go up to the first team. But with this squad, I mean, they had talent kind of spread without. They didn't really pull too much from this team. So, obviously, <laughs> Jerry, yeah, that's right. Uh, they they didn't uh, obviously pull too much from the squad. So, I mean, they were able still able to kind of keep a level spot in the table. Um uh, just looking at some acquisitions this year, they got uh, Joe Gallardo from Richmond Kickers. Um, I did have a chance to really uh, watch some of Joe Gallardo on the kickers when he was playing against uh, forward Madison. And, you know, he's got a lot of speed, you know, and the offense he was in was a three-five-two. So, I mean, that obviously really set him up to just go dashing down the pitch um, on balls played through the air. You know, so and then of course being a three-five-two, you know that five kind of operates as like a cheese grater, so that really allows him to release. So um, definitely look for them to really play a lot of balls to him. Um, and then the other pickup that I noticed uh, recently is the uh, the loan from North Texas, uh, Arturo Rodriguez, and uh, he's definitely a very dangerous player. Um, you know, and I think that that's going to be an interesting. Um, uh, pick up for them as far as having him on loan. I'm kind of surprised, honestly. I would have thought maybe he would have signed with FC Dallas. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting to me. But nonetheless, I mean, they do have your standouts like Jack Blake and James Moberg as well um, on this squad. Uh, last year, obviously, they uh, win the USL Cup. They play against El Paso in the Western Conference Final. It's a 2-1 match um prior to that uh they were the team to or uh sorry let me let me back up i almost said the wrong thing uh they were the team to beat phoenix uh was it two times in a three-week span um both times in phoenix um so you got to watch out for a team like real because obviously they they proved that they were the real deal if you will I, I think the one thing to, to say about uh, Real Monarchs is like a two-team, though. It's kind of dependent on who they send down. Uh, and they sent down uh, a couple good players last year that really uh, did them solid. Um, so it, it's one of those things where if the, the top club has some injuries, you might see some of their best players leave. Uh, but Real Monarchs is one of those two teams like Red Bulls who are almost always consistently in the mix. Um, so they're going to be a tough team. Uh, much like Reno, uh, they play at altitude. Um, their stadium is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I find myself watching their games on ESPN Plus, um, especially early season where there's like still snow-capped mountains, uh, and late in the season, it's an absolutely stunning stadium to watch on ESPN Plus. Um, and then as far as, some people have them, you know, top three, top four, and some people have them sliding down a little bit. It, I think it just depends on the big club. I'm trying to get out there this year. Actually, my my homeboy lives up there in uh, in Salt Lake. He's like, "Hey, come on out. I got you set up, you know, with the room." And uh, you know, so trying to do that, trying to catch a, a match uh, with uh, Real, and then is obviously, um, you know, probably catch like Team One or something like that, or go see a baseball game. So nice. I definitely will try to let you know what it's like, you know, off off the bat. So we, we talked about Reno, we've talked about a Real. Uh, the other top other team that we haven't talked about, um, obviously Fresno does not exist anymore. Uh, but 
uh, is Orange County Soccer Club. Um, I think this is going to be a, a really fun one to develop a rivalry with. Um, if you asked me like two or three weeks ago, I would have picked Orange County to maybe make a play-in get match. Um, but they've had a flurry of signings like they almost always do right before the end of the season. They have three kids on loan from Rangers. That Ranger, They have a, um, an agreement with Rangers. Uh, they sent one of their kids over who's competed with uh, Rangers, I think U20s, U18s, in a tournament, and he looked really good. They have a really good mix of really young talent from you know the uh, U.S. men's national team under-17s. Um, and then a lot of really talented, uh, talented starters are coming back. Uh, Darwin Jones, um, San Diegans will know Aiden Quinn from his dad who played with the Soccers. Um, and Orange County has quickly kind of solidified their, their, their team. And I think they're going to be a, a tough team to play. Uh, they play in a very attacking style, much like uh, San Diego wants to. Um, they're gonna. Ha- they brought in Edda Voltsen back. Um, and Edda Voltsen, when he played, um, Aiden Quinn had one of his best careers ever. Um, no, I will not wear a half and half. I've made it very clear where my loyalties lie as far as my support, uh, Cesar. Um, no, I'm all on board with being a supporter for Loyal. Um, and doing some coverage for Orange County. Uh, they were the close team. They welcomed me with open arms, and I enjoy working with the guys who cover that team. Um, so I will continue to do coverage for them, uh, but um, I will be 100% behind Orange County. None of this garbage half-and-half half stuff. Um, 100% behind Orange County, huh? Behind Loyal. None of this half-and-half half stuff. Did I slip up? Sorry, I was reading Cesar's <laughs> comment. Um, no, I did. Um I, I think they're going to be a tough team to play. Um, they have a Michael Orozco in, on the back line. Um, as long as he stays healthy and in, he's going to solidify that back line. Um, I also think you know their midfield is really solid. They brought in Seth Kasipli. Uh Aiden Quinn is dynamite. Um, I was kind of hoping. I was kind of hoping that he would opt out and end up signing with Loyal because uh, I would love to see him play um, in his hometown as well. Um, they have a couple of Rangers guys who they brought in. It's just going to be a really, a really tough team. Uh, I know Pony, USL Pony on the USL show, uh, cl- said that they're going to be a top three team in the in the USL, not just the West. Um, so the West keeps getting more and more stacked. Um, and Orange County, I think, is going to be a fun rivalry to develop. Um, the trash talk is that they don't have a ton of fans and don't have a ton of support. Um, I do have to give it up. There's a couple guys who are just diehard fans there, and they might not be a lot, but they're definitely loud. Um, they don't get a lot of love from the coverage community as far as uh, writing and newspapers and outlets and TV coverage. Um, but I think it's a, uh, it's a great venue to watch an away game. So I, I would love to see you know, bus loads of San Diegans going up and kind of taking over Orange County and making it a really fun match. Uh, I know they're excited uh, that there's a team that's close that actually cares about winning, unlike Los Dos. Um, and I think both ve- I think both venues have an opportunity to showcase some really good USL talent. Championship Stadium is kind of in a weird location, but once you're in it, it's fantastic. Uh, the sight lines are great. Um, it's a really kind of um, quaint and um, you're right up on the field, just like at Torero Stadium. So I think it's going to really develop into something that is is fun. Um, 
you're going to get some good banter. And unlike, you know, baseball, we have to drive to terrible Chavez Ravine. You're only having to go to Irvine. So it's not too far away. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm personally excited to see this rivalry build. Um, wait, but, wait a minute. Yeah. You're just, you're just going to call it a rivalry just like that. Like, I something I'm hoping it I'm hoping it develops because I I do think uh both with location but I think with with style of play I think they're both really attack minded teams and I think that um I think Orange County and San Diego will be a really good matchup um, as far as strength versus strength um I I think it's going to be some really fun soccer football for both supporters groups to watch um it's not going to be a nil nil game it's going to be um, it's going to be a, I, I think it'll be, you know, whose offense can click the best. I don't think it's going to be a defensive battle. Um, so I'm, I'm personally excited because I think a lot of people are going to really like watching games in Orange County. Um, and if we can make that a home away from home, I think that's something we want to do. Um, and I, I can't wait. Um, I know they are excited to see that as well. Uh, you know, I five Darby or whatever you want to call it, Darby. Um, orange kit Darby. Um, I, I think San Diego fans um, are, yeah, dogs are better than oranges, Jerry. Uh, I do think that uh, it, it's something that I think will develop um, and not just for location, but I think style of play is going to be a really fun thing to watch. I think you're on that LASD. I think that's what's going to happen. I, I hate to say it, but I think it's going to be Los Dos, and San Diego, you know, just boom, get off on a, a get off at Grand Central, and take the train to SD. So, uh, you know, or Union Station rather, right? So, yeah, um, but LA is yeah, garbage. No one wants to go there. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I mean, like, I would, I would love to see that it be the Battle of the Orange Kit and all that, but you know, I can't. Well, I just we'll think see. it's. I, I think Los Dos is more academy focused. I think Orange County is trying to build through youth to be to be competitive. So I think <laughs> I, I think that's going to be the difference. I really think it's going to be the difference is Orange County wants to win. Orange County wants to win the cup. Los Dos, I think it's like, it'd be cool if they did, but if they didn't, it's not the end of the world. Where I think San Diego has that same mindset of, you know, it's, you know, let's make the playoffs, let's win a cup, let's get some silverware. Where um, And I think, that, I think that intensity is what's going to drive that. Um, speaking of not winning cups, uh, we do want to talk about a new thing that is out in the USL, uh, and that is the wooden spoon trophy. Uh, we talked last week about fan trophies with like Copa Califas, Copa Tejas. Uh, I think this one's got to be my favorite though. Um, they've been talking about this for a little while and Chris, you want to tell them what the wooden spoon award goes to? So the wooden spoon award goes to the worst team uh in the usl or in the conference rather rather right yeah i think it's one for each conference one for each conference so it's the it's the worst team and it's presented uh on it's presented to the supporter group on behalf of the team and so they like got like a couple of what weeks with it then they pass it off to to the next one uh but this trophy i mean really is you know if you see like little pictures of it it's it looks like a baseball trophy but of course, it's got the little spoons and oh hey, um, uh, dun dun The princess has arrived. Um, so if you want to check out Twitter, 
at USL Spoon. Uh, there's a great rendition of what the trophy is going to look like. Um, bestowed on the worst team in the USL Championship. Uh, but I think they're going to engrave East and West. Uh, they have reached out to say that they they might end up changing something um, with how they how it works. Um, but the more the more razzing you can give to the worst team, uh, yeah, Tacoma, Tacoma's always in the running. Um, form the artists formerly known as Swill Park Rangers. Um, there there's a few teams that are definitely in the running. But this is one of those things where it's it's mostly just friendly banter and it's fun, and um, another fun fan, uh, a fan created award uh, amongst the supporters group. Uh, I know there's a couple supporters groups that haven't been on board yet, um, but follow them wooden spoon a uh, USL wooden spoon. It's one of those uh, absolutely fun things. We're gonna try to get them on in a later podcast to give us a little bit of an update. Um, I told them that they should like try to grab those uh, pink bass. I mean, it's not wooden, but they should try to grab those spoons from like you know uh, Sonic or Baskin <laughs> Robbins, or even get those ones from like the old thrifties. You know, those little flat wooden spoons for the ice cream. Just right? you know, kind of do something like that, and uh, you know, who knows? But uh, that that trophy is is crazy. I'm like, don't even put in little like plaque bars. Just like put on some tape, you know, that you can just write on the trophy. <laughs> Marissa, how's it going? Marissa, what up? Hello, everyone. Where are you you joining us from? Yeah. I'm curbside now. Oh, nice. Just got back? Yeah, just got back. How was the trip? I don't know what time it is. I don't know what time it is. (laughs) 8 p.m. You're doing fine. Hey, you're in the wrong city. (laughs) Well, she just got back from... So how was it watching Arsenal actually win a match? Really, really good. Yeah, I was I was I was definitely happy that you were able to watch them actually play well. Well, thank you. I appreciate I was, that. I was happy you're actually able to watch them in the stadium. Yes, thank you. You'll have to give us the That's background story. of that. One for the ages, for sure. Awesome. Well, we can't wait to hear it. Um and we're yeah, I to, to the, go to the next stop. So uh, I just wanted to check in and say yeah. hi. Well, thank you for stopping by, and we can't wait yeah. to hear all of your stories. Um, maybe even like a special uh, podcast about a uh, your journey to England and your footy yeah. adventures. So we can't wait to hear it. Will do. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Later. So the last thing we do want to talk about is probably the most serious thing that's happened in the San Diego community um, in the past week or so. Um, and we're going to do a little wall in order. But um, <laughs> it, it has been dubbed Scarfgate, and we've been asked to talk about it. We were trying to get uh, Chris Garcia on tonight uh, to interview him. Um, shine the light on him and ask him where he was on Thursday night uh, when Darren Smith's scarf went missing. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, conveniently, he is uh, unavailable right now. Uh, take that as you will. Um, the podcast does not have an official stance 
Uh, Chris has claimed his innocence. Uh, I believe also Darren has uh, been uh, reconnected with at least a scarf. I don't know if it's the authentic scarf. We're going to have to do some like Shroud of Terrain testing. Maybe do some... um, do some CSI on that scarf to determine if it's uh, the actual legitimate scarf. Don't turn um, the black lights on. We're going to have to do some investigative journalism, you know, knock on some doors, talk to some people and find out what the real story is behind Scarfgate. Uh, but if you have not heard um, on the unnamed soccer Punk podcast, Darren Smith said his scarf uh, went missing at the kit reveal. Uh, he set it down behind stage um, and during the promo video about the kit release, um, Chris was was spotted uh, dancing jovially with a scarf on, um, and people quickly determined that he was dancing jovially because he had stolen said uh, Darren's scarf and was wearing it and was mocking him on video dancing in his Balboa-themed uh, scarf. Uh, the orange one with kind of the the diamond shape um, shenanigans. The one I own, it's my favorite, uh, and I would have been upset as well. So there was a lot of speculation. Um, the community was very divided. Um, I was surprised that fights did not break out in the supporter section. Team Chris, Team Darren. Um, there was always an undertone the entire night, um, and I think a little a kind of cloud hung over. The stadium, I thought, you know, with the rain coming down, it was very appropriate that the weather was dark and gloomy leading up to the game. Um, all of San Diego, I think, uh, was very invested in finding out the truth. And we will continue to investigate this. Uh, we will talk to Chris. Um, I will reach out to uh, Darren Smith for comment. Uh, we, we will get to the bottom of Scarfgate. Uh, at least we will help get to the bottom of Scarfgate um, and maybe film an episode episode of Lawal and Order bum, bum, um, <laughs> to determine what happened to that scarf. Um, Man, and, you know, that, that scarf could be on its way to New Mexico. They might have folded it up and, and, and put it in my order. You never know. Nobody knows. And that's what <laughs> we care about. We, we want to make sure that that scarf is in a warm home that will always come out to games to be worn around the neck, held up high during matches. And hopefully Darren has a scarf again. It looked like he got one at uh, the Barcelona watch party for the Champions League game. Um, But we will uh, continue to investigate. We will have Chris on at some point to try and clear his name, if if you will. I feel like he should have that ability to speak and be heard in the community um, to make sure that we are bringing a fair and balanced approach here to Scarfgate. Uh, so hopefully before next week we can find a conclusion to that. Um, it's been a kind of it's been fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so I will continue to reach out to Chris. I find it convenient that he had other things like work apparently convenient, um, but we will <laughs> find an end to Scarfgate. Uh, right, so we have a friendly this weekend against Fred, uh, against Reno, and then next week we'll be previewing for Las Vegas, and the season will begin. So next week, uh, please tune in. 
Uh, we're working on getting a guest to come in and talk about kind of the last friendly as well as kind of where the team is going into the first game of the season. Um, it was nice for Marissa to stop in. You can find her at hashtag Marissa spelled out hashtag. If you don't know how to spell it, um, Google it. Um, so please follow her. Um, and Chris, where can we find you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me at, at by Chris Walker on a Twitter as well as Instagram. I still got to get my, uh, my pictures of my latest comic books on that at Instagram, but I'm getting them up there. Don't worry. Nice. And you can find me at a Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. Uh, please follow us on fair underscore pod. Um, follow uh, the locals on Facebook and Twitter as well. I, I know there's a lot of discussions about creating songs and chants uh, that Joe says no one was really organic this, uh, this past weekend. And it was dynamite. Uh, so please get involved. If you're not a member of the locals or a season ticket holder, uh, get involved, reach out, be a member of the community, be a member of the soccer family. It's great. It's welcoming. It's a phenomenal community to be, to be involved in. Um, make sure to subscribe to this on, on YouTube or on any of your local podcast apps. Uh, if there's one we're not on that you would like us to be on, please reach out to us because we can, we can put us, put you, uh, put ourselves on whatever native, um, podcast app you're into. Um, we can't wait for the season to start. Please come out and say hi when you see us i'll be probably hitting a drum at some point chris is going to come out later uh thank you guys for listening thank you guys for following us uh and being involved live cesar matthew jerry um it's been great this week and we will uh see you next week later guys peace this and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network you can find other podcasts on bgn.fm the Fairweather Podcast is also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday League squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.